For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Folks, welcome back to the Anthony Gordon Show. You know, it's interesting over the months and years, the journey as to how guests land up uh, in the proverbial studio. So it's a, it's a real pleasure and honor uh, to have Vinny. Now, Vinny, you, the pronunciation of the last name is Levian Levine. You got it on the first uh, try. Levine. Levine. Could be Levine. Levine. Or Laverne. <laughs> so um, I have a very dear friend, a mutual friend of Vinny uh, and myself, uh, uh, David, my son. Uh, they're in New York. This is, I believe, just before the pandemic hit in earnest at a cigar bar. My son, who knows me very well, said, you got to. <clears throat> I think I met your kindred spirit, Dad. And here's what he said, and he's and he's not only is he right, but it, it makes Vinny the ideal type of person uh, to be on the show because I think, in many ways, we are kindred spirits. I think the three points are someone who's dedicated his life <clears throat> uh, to make the world a better place, to help people, to go beyond himself, to be altruistic. That's point one. Point two, I would say that my biggest assets in life. Uh, besides my, uh, my, my wife and children are, you know, over the years, very, uh, I'd be fortunate to build up robust relationships um, and, the un and understanding relationship capital after making deposits over days and years. Anyone can say, Anthony, I need to, I need to uh, you know, do this. I need to, and I got a guy uh, that is in fact the name of Vinny's uh, company. Also someone who understands how people are the conduit to business. And I think the third component is Vinny's commitment to live a spiritual life. Um, he's, we, you know, he's on the blue team, I'm on the red team. One, one's Catholic, one's Jewish. But I think we, at the end of the day, believe that we, we kind of be accountable for what we do in this world. So Vinny, firstly, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Anthony. So I, I meant every word I said. I think there's a lot of components that A, touch my heart and soul, but B, will resonate with our listeners. The reason is because the reason why the show really started was speaking to a number of other folks that you know have prolific careers in the media and public speaking, it was clear to me that there are tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, millions for that matter, specifically of people in the young generation that I think are leading lives of quiet desperation, um, that are looking for direction. Unfortunately, I think this generation is, is the me, I generation. Um, so to speak to someone that's committed, that's really dedicated to other people, that has the spiritual component, I think your story uh, will, will hit will hit 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 a raw nerve. So maybe the best place to start is for our listeners 
edification, Vinny. Can you just give us just a little bit of your background uh, as to so we can set the, 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 the scene for your recent launching of the COVID-19 Emergency Task Force. But I want the listeners to sort of understand that uh, in context. So just it'll be helpful if you could give us a little bit of your, your humble beginnings and we can, uh, we, can, we can use that as a context. Yeah, sure. So I grew up in uh, born and raised in New York City. And my dad was a uh, NYPD police officer and my mom was a teacher. My dad, uh, early 70s, uh, was a uh, uh, decorated uh, police officer and he kind of uh, was involved in the OCCB, which is the Organized Crime uh, Bureau, the NYPD. He went undercover and infiltrated the mafia. And a lot of the cases we've seen on TV from the Gold Bug to the Pizza Connection to App Scam to the Goodfellas, he was involved in all those cases. So I think I grew up in somebody that told me about honor, integrity, and loyalty. And, you know, he uh, served this country um, in Vietnam, and he, he got out and joined the NYPD in 1969. If you can imagine, you see New York City now. New York City was a different place in the 70s. There's a lot of corruption, organized crime, and there was corrupt cops. And I think my dad uh, learned at a very young age uh, through the military, the, uh, the, the Semper Fidelis, the U.S. Marines taught him about honor and integrity. And uh, he uh, instilled that in me and my brother. My brother's a colonel in the Army. He's actually stationed right now at uh, Ramstein Air Force Base at a uh, European command. And, you know, I think, as you know, uh, Anthony, your, your parents kind of shape you and mold you. For sure. And a lot of how you become as an adult, I think, is you're molded as a young age of, you know, what you learn from your parents and what your parents teach you. So I was I was truly blessed. You know, my dad was a uh, uh, was a very honorable person. Uh, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. My, my mom's still in a childhood home in Brooklyn, wow. uh, in Gravesend. And um, my mom still teaches. Uh, 45 years later, still a teacher in the Department of Education, the Board of Ed. So uh, at a very young age, I grew up in a, in a life that you know, my dad had a very heroic uh, career. He was the first NYPD police officer to be put in, in the witness protection program. Amazing. So me and my family uh, in the uh, the middle of the night in 1978, U.S. Marshals shut down the streets and literally escorted us in an armed escort, shutting down the New York City highways to get us out of New York. And we went cross country for six months Jeez. under a uh, a real a real uh, fear of a uh, a real hit uh, back then. The Sicilian mafia that my dad went after would would kill judges and blow up. Uh, you know, vehicles and homes. So that the hit was so real that the FBI and the NYPD basically said, you know, we can't protect you that you need to go in the witness protection program. So the reason why I tell you that uh, I grew up in a life that, you know, uh, my dad always worked to, I think, show honor and integrity and, uh, and just be an all around good person, always do the right thing. Um, you know, he went on in those years to work in the strike force and president's commission on organized crime. And then he worked in the Brooklyn DA's office for a legendary DA Joe Hines. So all the sure. big pieces on organized crime. And, um, he was involved in, in those 30 years, Ed McDonald from, from the strike force that you saw on the ending of Goodfellas. Those were all his wow. infamous cases. So listen, I grew up. Uh, in a in a story, I think that a lot of people grow up in right a modest uh, upbringing is what you do with it. So yeah, I started I started my career uh, in politics and and in government. Uh, you know, I worked at a very early age doing White House advance 
for uh, Al Gore, President Clinton and Al Gore in 2000 and traveled in a suitcase for uh, Vice President Gore and then Senator Lieberman. I was there, ironically, in Nashville when uh, we thought he won, he lost. And you see 20 years later, you know, we, we were counting other chads, you know, the election process yeah. back then. And I worked in government, city, state, federal in New York for many, many years, wide range of elected officials. Um, wrote down a ground zero, another emergency task force that I started through uh, the state Senate that I worked for and ba basically met volunteers that I met down on ground zero. And we started helping and supplying a lot of the vital, uh, you know, equipment to the police officers and firefighters. So let me, let me just pause so yeah. that we can, we can it's, a, it's an incredibly uh, dramatic uh, and, and in many ways unbelievable way for a kid to come into the world. Yeah. Um, it sounds like your father was your moral compass, you know, yeah. strong, good, you know, salt of the earth kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, I would imagine, you know, anyone infiltrating the mafia in those days is going to make one or two enemies. Um, yeah. But... Um, well, let me ask you this. When, when you, in your formative years, got a sense of what your dad did, wasn't, yep. there, wasn't there a genuine fear for, uh, for your safety, for your life? Or Yeah, I mean, listen, I think my dad always instilled, I think he was always an honorable person, right? Yep. He never took a dime. You know, the New York Times in, in the 70s basically did a uh, front page article, the cop that couldn't be bought because they tried to buy him and infiltrate him. I think in organized crime or any business, I think they... They respected him because he wasn't on the take. He That's didn't amazing. steal. He did his job, right? He went undercover and they knew at a risk of his own life. And he did a he, he did a good job. I think in any uh, you know, criminal enterprise, there's also a respect factor. And I think they did they did respect him. And my dad operated in a way that even when he took down the made person of uh the Sicilian Mafia and the you know Gambino crime family was involved. He also had relationships with other people, right? Right. Henry Hill, you know, one of the main actors, sure. you know, uh, from uh, Goodfellas. He worked and worked with a lot of these organized crime people for years. Um, and he did it in a way with integrity and honor. I think a lot with the, the uh, Marine Corps taught him. Um, and he did it the right way. Like he never, he he did his job, but he never made it personal, right? And he, he always showed them a, a lot of respect. And I think because of that, they had... They always had a code back then. You never kill a cop. You know, killing a cop was never yeah. good business, right? right. Um, and he always instilled that in a lot of other people, uh, even the people that he worked with. You know, like listen, he would come home. He'd had sometimes he had bulletproof vehicles, and we had you know we'd have security guards and protection. And I knew that you know that was obviously not a normal way to live, like yeah. having protection and you're a cop, right? But he also instilled. He was always respectful and he was always, always a gentleman. Right. And I think, you know, to this day, you know, I think they always respected that because uh, he always did the right thing and he always treated them with respect as well. Amazing. What, yeah. what, um, growing up, what was your, uh, you know, from a, from a, I guess a spiritual perspective. Yeah. Um, clearly, like myself, growing up, the word "Lord" was not a four-letter word. I mean, yeah. how, how how growing up, you know, it sounds like a pretty God-centered home. Uh, you know, did that impact your journey? I mean, listen, I had at a young age. I think uh, it's impacted my journey to keep things simple. 
right? I'm 44 years old now. And the people that are around me and the work I've done in government, I worked in a pit full of snakes and shark circle. I mean, yep. government politics now is toxic, right? It's ruthless. Cool. It's malicious. Um, and I think, you know, you have the right people around you, right? Yep. And you have the, the you have people, even how we met, you know, through David Lyons. You know, I met David for a very, very reputable person I knew for years. Anyway. Um, and, you know, I think it's about the people you, you surround yourself, as you know, as you get older. Sure. Uh, you know, to me, loyalty is everything and yeah. and having an integrity. And I think that helped me, you know, you know, I'm a spiritual person, but to be honest, I don't go to church every Sunday. Right. And I, yep. I do government affairs for the Catholic Church, to be perfectly honest with you. I think people people find their faith in different ways. And, as you know, you can you can be going to church or the synagogue on Sunday and be stealing and of you know, committing, you know, five different crimes. But they. Yep. They go to church or synagogue to act like they, uh, you know, they, it, a lot of it is smoke and mirrors, right? It's wow. fake. It's not superficial. My, I try and live my life and listen, I'm, I'm no saint, right? And, you know, I'm no angel, but you know, I try to live my life that, you know, you want to, you want to just do the right thing. You want to yeah. be able to go to bed at night and say to yourself, you know, I, uh, I can sleep at night knowing that I, you know, I, I've done the right thing. I haven't hurt anybody. And, Sure. I've always tried to do the right thing in life. How did you land up getting so involved in the White House, getting so involved in the president? I mean, I yeah. understand your dad uh, was a leading and a beloved, uh, you know, person in, in, in NYPD, but yeah. that's a big jump. Yeah. So, you know, joke around, but, you know, my, I formed the company many years called I Got a Guy. And my dad was like the quintessential I Got a Guy, right? He was a guy that, and I learned at a young age. So he worked for the Brooklyn DA, Joe Hines, and like in, in yeah. New York City. The DAs are very powerful. Brooklyn and Manhattan, 1,600 employees. And his 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 boss, Joe Hines, they did the legendary Howard Beach case. Yeah. But African, African Americans got killed by a white kid. Yeah. Uh, case. And it was a racial, racial motivated case in 1986, got national news. And now it's Reverend Al Sharpton basically got his name from that. And uh, yeah. from that case, that was a very racial motivated case. Uh, my dad and 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 that 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 special prosecutor, ironically under Mario Cuomo, Governor Andrew Cuomo's father, uh, uh, nobody wanted to touch that case. Right? Yeah. It was a bunch of black kids that were in the wrong neighborhood at the wrong time, and because of their color, they got chased into the Bell Parkway. One of the kids got killed. Yeah. Uh, the reason why I mentioned that, uh, my dad became like the ultimate guy for the DA. Right? And anytime the DA wanted anything. Your I saw how my dad operated, and ironically, the DA's son, Kevin Hines, who was a, a prosecutor, he was also prosecutor in the Manhattan DA's office, and he worked with you know people like John F. Kennedy Jr. and a very uh, you know heroic. The, the Manhattan, Manhattan and Brooklyn DA's office are probably the most prominent DA of the DA's office to work in in New York, if not the country. And the DA's son got a job in the state senate. Uh, the Democratic leader of state Senate. I was a young kid, 20, 21 years old. And uh, Kevin Hines, the oldest son of the DA, said, you know, Vin, I have a job for you. You're going to be an, a, uh, an advanced guy. I didn't even know what the hell advanced was. <laughs> uh, 20 years old. And I learned, I learned at a very quick age, you know, 1997. Uh, and basically, I learned it from hard work and understanding uh, the business. And I had a lot of people that nurtured me and taught me. And I did it like anybody else did from the ground up in the trenches, city, state, federal. And then I had the opportunity, you know, in 2000 to 
get on the White House advanced team and then, you know, Vice President Gore was running and I traveled the country literally out of a suitcase for about four or five months. All the states you see now in battleground states 20 yeah. years ago, Michigan, Iowa, Georgia, Nevada, you know, uh, Florida, all those states, even 20 years ago were the battleground states, yep. right? Milwaukee. So I was the guy that would be the front man, the advanced guy. And I was young, right? I was then, I was 20, you know, 22, 23, 24 years old. But right. I learned, I learned from the experts of how to do logistics and just how to get things done. And like anything else, uh, sometimes you get blown out, right? Sometimes yeah. you make a mistake. And in that business, your reputation is everything, right? Because everybody knows everybody. Republican and Democrat, like even back then with the, with the Bush people, um, everybody knew everybody. It was a small world. Um, so, you know, I did that in 2000. Went back to New York. Went back to work for the same state senator that I worked for. Uh, ironically, you know, he old school Irish guy. He shook my hand and he said, you know, I'm still here. When you come back, you'll have a job. I came back. He's like, you know... I kept my word and 9-11 happened. And I think that that changed a lot of people's lives. I want to, I want to before we get on him. So there's a few things there. This is, uh, yeah. Um, firstly, I, I think that when I looked at a few videos and, and uh, yeah. tried, tried to do some research, your reputation, and it's a fantastic reputation to have any, um, is that you're a doer, you get things done. Yep. Explain to and, and, and that's the bit. I mean, because words you you and I both know the words words. I live in LA, you know, where yep. uh, everyone produces a, a business card, and that's and many just stop right there. La La Land. <laughs> what, yeah, what? New York is called La La Land sometimes. Yeah, exactly. What? Explain to the viewers and the listeners what do you mean by logistics? I just want I want I want people to get a handle on that before. We yeah. Move. So you know, logistics. Obviously, if you're doing work for the White House or the president or any logistics. Is, so I was the guy, like when you saw when, when you see Air Force One land, right? The Secret Service do this, uh, do the security. The civilian advanced guy is the guy that is getting all the motorcade cars, right? That means it could be 20 to 30 vans getting volunteer drivers. When you go to an event and you see the the stage and the backdrop and the cutaway and the bike rack and all that, that's all logistics. That's an advanced guy that's working his ass off, excuse right. my language. And getting all those logistics, getting the vendor, getting the AV guy, getting the pipe and drape, getting every the visual of that of that day is crucial. Yeah, it takes and sometimes so you know they only have a week to five days to plan that. So when you see those big events that you know President Trump did or you know now President Elect Biden did, those are massive logistics. You have very short time. They normally have backups. Sometimes they have an OTR, which is an off the record stop that they have to plan out. Just in case the hotel. You guys, when you, do you guys work closely with uh, with the security guys when you do? Yeah, so the Secret Service would handle all the security. We would work yeah. hand in hand because everything is a security component. Sure. Sometimes they would say we can't do that, can't do this. Uh, right. Obviously, the schedule was everything. The schedule is so tight. The hotel, they're coming to the hotel. All those key cards are queued in. All the rooms are cleared. Yeah. Obviously, for the Secret Service, they're literally shutting down wings and floors of hotels but like when the white house staff is arriving right or the press staff everything's checked in everything is pre-cleared their rooms their room service their food their bags all that all that is logistics and when those people behind the scenes like the military does an amazing job and they have a, a white house communication office and the secret service but a lot of those logistics on the civilian side 
of people like when we did, you work 20, 20 hour days, seven days a week. Cause you know, you don't have tomorrow's too late. Right. You know, hundred uh, percent. And to your credit, Vinny, everything I read and see about you, you've managed to stay above politics. I mean, you seem to both sides of the aisle, yeah. I'm doing my job, red, blue, I'm yeah. just doing my job. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, you know, so I worked in government for a long time, I think, and anybody, and I hope now for this election, you know, and I have relationships on both sides of the aisle, right? Specifically with President Trump and President-elect Biden, you know, I'm from New York. I know the family, you know, I know Donnie and Eric well, and I, I obviously Vice President Biden I worked for, and I've known him years when he was a U.S. Senator. I really hope now just for the government, you know, um, you know, I'm an independent, you know, I've been doing, I've been doing government affairs for the Catholic Church in New York for the past uh, nine years. To be truly honest, I kind of got sick of both parties and specifically became an independent, not just because of the job I do for the Catholic Church, yeah. but I felt that, you know, for me to be impactful and help people, you have to have relationships on both sides. 100%. Right? Uh, and if you don't, specifically now, I deal with it every day, even now with the election, it's so toxic and it's so, it's so just to me, not good for the country, not good for, you know, just getting things done. Yep. But so I, I've tried to, you know, I, I could, I could be, I could be respectful and, and, and have my own opinion, but at the same time, I don't, I don't disrespect anybody's opinion because, you know, listen, I joke around opinions are like assholes. Like everybody has one. Everybody's <laughs> going to feel how they feel. Yeah. And, you know, and so I've, I, I've tried to, and because of that, you know, there's an old, uh, you know, uh, there's a saying uh, in the arena, right? And there's a, there's a, there's a very special saying from President Roosevelt, you know, basically yeah. Unless you're in the arena, right? In any profession, right? If you're out in LA and you're dealing with your agents or you're an actor, unless you've been in the trenches and understand what these people have been through, you can't walk the walk. You can't understand it. And, you know, and even I I tell people now, these people risked their complete ability to have any lives. Like when you work in a presidential campaign and you're in a battleground state, you give up your family, you give up your health. Uh, all these people work so hard uh, on an election, right? And this election, I think, will go down in history of probably the most polarizing post. You know, everybody's on a different side. There's no middle of a, of yep. America. Like, there's no liberal or you're you know, ultra conservative. There's no moderates, right? Um, and I think everybody as a whole. I just seen this in this election cycle. I try to be respectful, but I try not to even get into the politics bingo so here's what here's, that's why i wanted to hone in on this for a second then i want to touch on on uh on 9 11 and that is the following there are many people listening right now Vinny, um that are in a lot of pain uh it's very divisive yep Th thanksgiving's coming up you know parents don't speak to their kids because they're on different sides of the aisles yeah how give me your thoughts on how people can agree to disagree and separate the person from the opinion uh, without thinking that because this person might have a different ideology, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that I should hate the person. Yeah. Or that. I, I've, I see that in you and growing up in South Africa, one of the most politicized country in the world, also very humble beginnings. I really grew up colorblind. I really grew up regardless of 
uh, I, I, what you know, I grew up with it. One of my closest buddies was a Christian Lebanese guy. I'm an Orthodox Jew. I, you know, I, I, yeah. I looked at character, heart and soul. That perspective seems to have changed. I, I want you to share your thoughts with the listeners because I think that there's yeah. unnecessary uh, a polarization which is causing a rift that this that's not sustainable. Yeah. Well, I see, unfortunately, and, and, and I'm not a uh, psychologist, psychiatrist, or have any expert of... Uh, what the social media component has changed on people's ability to tell uh, each other how they feel. Yep. But I can tell you my 20 years of working on presidential campaigns, I worked on five presidential campaigns. Uh, the social media has a direct impact on how people communicate. 100%. In 2000, we didn't have Facebook, right? Uh, I luckily had a, had a phone that we used to text, as you know, yep. before that we had beepers and I'm outdating myself right now, but that social media, and I, and I be honest, I, I'm probably the first person uh, that people would say they joke around. Vin, I'm going to break your thumbs, right? Because sometimes your thumbs do the talking, right? Yeah, yeah. Text message or an email, um, and I'm the first one to to previously have done stuff that you know people people don't think, as you know, you before you'd have a time to write a letter and and, and sit on it. Now it's seconds. Somebody's getting on a social media component on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. Somebody has a pin and they don't like the pin. Then they go at each other. Then they and then there's 50 other people going at them. And then and then it's like a it's like a as I would joke around growing up in Brooklyn, it would be like a schoolyard brawl. And now everybody's jumping on. Yeah. And now now it's now it's a now it's a all out brawl fist fight. And as you know, nobody wins that, right? No, it's a lose lose. Uh, it's a lose lose. And I think that's what's happened to me. What I've seen in social media, it's so toxic that it generates these people that have so much uh, hostility and then they just go out at each other. And I think that's something that I don't know how we change that as a society, but everybody to me, just say, take, take a deep breath. And uh, I don't know, to me, you're focusing on your family or you're focusing on your life and, and, and things that are important. Listen, elections matter. Elections have consequences. Everybody knows that. Uh, people have seen that in New York or California, you know, we have some politicians are great. Some of them are a, a complete disaster, right? It's just like any other people. Some people do good jobs. Some people do bad jobs, you know, try this on, for, try this on for size. Vinny. tell me if this resonates. Yeah. And I'm not just saying this. I think, you know, I'm also like you pretty much, uh, I, I believe that straight talk is, uh, yeah. is, is the only way. The reason why you and I hit it off, uh, you know, after the very first phone call, he's firstly, you wired me a million dollars. That was helpful just to break the ice. And I seriously, I think that the following, um, I, I think that you're comfortable in your skin. I think I know who I am. And therefore you don't need politics or ideology to, uh, to define who you are. I'm not a Republican. I am who I am. And this is what, that's number one. Number two is that I think that um, you see a much bigger picture. Uh, I've seen a lot in my life. I mean, you know, I grew up, humble beginnings, but I saw the fight against apartheid. I did, I coordinated the biggest music concert in South Africa. I went to Harvard where I was, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know a single soul. And so I think, I think we probably lived out of a comfort zone. You probably have a much more evolved, mature way. And uh, I think that if you have a spiritual component, even as you said, whether you go to church every Sunday or not, but I think there's a, uh, there is a bigger sense of, listen, you, this might be a shock to you, Vinny, but neither you nor I run the world. So once you can humbly uh, live with that, 
Um, I think that you live with a perspective and you can, and the only race that I, um, you know, would get involved in is, is, is the human race, you know? So I think that that's very important for our listeners to hear. I think too. I mean, I mean, my, I, I, I see it every day. A lot of people that like I'm 44 years old, right. So I have, you know, 25 years of experience, right. Um, younger people, right. Uh, specifically people that unfortunately didn't have to work that hard to get what they have. Right. And it was handed to them or, and I'm trying to be very careful with my kids right now. Right. I have a seven and nine year old, um, that I don't want them. I don't want them to be self-entitled. Right. Cause what I do think is the self-entitlement, like when somebody's self-entitled or they think they know everything, right. Um, that ability for them to be successful, um, is will never be there. Right. Cause they have nothing to build from. Right. 100%. You know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, you know, very fortunate enough. I think I've been very successful in my life, but it was through a lot of hard work. Yep. A lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, learning, right. I made a lot of mistakes throughout my career. Yeah. You know, yeah. I worked down at ground zero for six months and I worked for at that time was working for an elected official. And I, you know, took a lot of my charitable work and left and, Worked for a firefighters charity for about two years and helping firefighters and police officers. And I kind of got out of politics and government and, um, you know, went back uh, for a few years and worked in government. And then, um, you know, I I saw uh, early on, as you know, you could have an impact in many ways, you know, uh, but also it's, you know, the type of people you are of why you do it. Like a lot of people, do things for the wrong reasons. A lot of people are miserable. A lot of people are miserable with what they do. They're not happy, right? I've also, I think I've been fortunate enough that everything I've done, I've always loved to do it, right? It wasn't a, you know, it's a transactional relationship when we first spoke. Yeah. Or, you know, you have a relationship that's actually meaningful, right? Yep. A lot of people have transactional relationships, yep. right? That's good. But like when you have a, you know, if you're doing ongoing long-term business relationships. transaction relationship never works right so on on any any part of anybody's life so uh but you know listen that that took a lot a long time for me to learn that right uh i i think i i had a good foundation i also had good people around me that were looking out for me and understood the minefields right and would say you know Vin, don't go this way go that way cool. and i was fortunate enough even through my career listen i you know worked in Government. My last job was for the, the state controller, Tom Denapoli. You know, he oversees yeah, sure, two hundred billion dollars in a pension fund, and um, you know, um, you know, I worked in in areas uh, that you know I didn't have a lot of experience in, right? And I, I wasn't a finance guy, and I had to learn during two thousand eight, two thousand nine, when the market crashed, to understand you know what a short sale meant and what you know, dividends met and, and you know, back then they had, as you know, a lot of the, uh, the mortgage crisis, right? For sure. uh, no, you, you learn, but I, I learned from good quality people that gave me, they gave me a chance to understand it. And I, I always feel too, like you, you give a chance on somebody and you give somebody the ability to do something. Uh, it's, it's their job to be successful or fail. Right. Yep. And, you know, a lot of people are successful, but a lot of people fail. Right. But, you know, to me, I, I always look back, you know, just on my life of people that have given me a shot, right? The first guy, Kevin Hines, who ironically now is a writer out in LA and just oh, really? 
Apple uh, HBO, the show uh, uh, Perry Mason, and he did the uh, hit show before that, Dirty John on Bravo, and before that he did Scorpion. You know, he was he was a, a prosecutor. He was an assistant DA in Manhattan, and he wanted to get out of the business. And he, you know, went out to California. He has a child that's special needs, and him and his wife Beth said, "We're going to get the best health care for." Amazing. Our child, and they literally left everything and moved to Manhattan Beach to oh. get the best care for their child. And he's like, Vin, I'm going to write. I said, you know anything about writing? I said, well, I'm a pretty good writer. He said, Kevin, you're a prosecutor. He's like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to figure it out. And, you know, his first show, I remember, years ago was Boss uh, with Kelsey Kramer. Wow. And he wrote for that. And then, you know, he got his break. And then, you know, writing – like any job in LA, like acting, it's very hard, very difficult, very competitive. Yeah, not, there's no red carpets welcoming you. Right? Obviously, you know, like I got a guy, a lot of it's a networking and getting to the right people at the right time and somebody giving you your break or giving you the ability of risking a, something on you, right? Yeah. And, and and I see with him, like he has been very successful, right? But he's been driven. You know, he was been yeah, driven sure. on, uh, I think, a lot of the upbringing that I had, he had with his father. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> I notice as you speak, and I'm thinking, uh, Vinny, about uh, I think some common denominators between you and I, and I think these are pearls of wisdom that I want to share with our listeners because that's really what the show's about. And that is, um, you know, firstly, because both of us, I think, came from humble beginnings, uh, no silver spoon, and, uh, you know, pushing and being and having intestinal fortitude and grit was because there was no option, you know, that, you know, no one was there. Uh, there's no safety net for both of us, which I think is a good thing because it, it really forces you to flex muscles that you know you might not uh, thought that you had. But I also noticed when we our first call, and I've trained and I've, uh, I've done a lot of speaking about uh, communication networking with this generation. Here's the approach that you and I take, which is very different to the millennial generation. And uh, this is, I think, tools that I think a lot of younger uh, the young generation should be sensitive to. Both of us, consciously or unconsciously, but I picked it up afterwards. Uh, at one, at some point, in the call said, "Anthony, Vinny, you know, what can I do for you?" So the first thing is, you know, relationship capital deposit, and number two, uh, as you said, it was very clear because I think both of us are sort of uh, connectors in in the, in uh, in the sort of the people business. Uh, it wasn't about you know a transaction. It's about building a relationship. It's about uh, getting to understand the other person. And I think that there's no way in the world that you can build successful business relationships without caring, without trust, and without a person thinking you don't have an agenda that's self-serving. And, and it's very different to the way these kids are growing up today. Yeah, I mean, I, I think too, and I think all, to me, just as society, as parents, and I think, like I've seen my kids, like my daughter's nine, Sophia, she's on TikTok, right? And yeah, yeah. You know, the technology these days. Insane. Snapshot. Like I get a lot of calls of helping people because their kids, you know, do yeah. stuff. The technology has changed the way that they communicate. Yep. Um, obviously now post-COVID, right? Everybody's on Zoom. Yep. I think the social inability people to connect. Nobody talks. Everything's a text message. Like I'm so old school. I like to get on the phone and speak to somebody. Yeah. I haven't called people. Uh, they'll be texting. They won't answer the phone. Like for whatever reason, they want to text instead of like actually have a conversation. You know, yeah. people hide behind. It's easy to write a text or an email. It's yeah, it's, it's immediate. It's seconds, right? 
um, and everything is real-time communication. But it's unhealthy uh, and it's not intimate. It, 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 no, it's very cold and shallow. And I think that's why a lot of people are lonely. Have a lot of they have a lot of mental health issues because of that. One Everything hour. is, you know, Instagram and Facebook. Look at me, the Vada boys. You know, look at my life, taking these pictures of, you know, look at where I am. Uh, these influencers, I mean, God bless them. Like they're making millions of dollars because they're hot, they're beautiful, they're attractive, and but, they're selling whatever they're selling. But that's that's fake. It's not real, you know. Listen, it's, it's superficial, you know. I mean, in my backyard, in the you know, yeah, in Hollywood, in the in the world of in, in Instagram, yeah, uh, models. It's uh. I, I, and I've spoken to a lot of them. It's all about their sense of um, happiness and success is directly correlated to feedback, other people. They haven't built the internal world. And it's yeah, very, very, very fragile. And and I've spoken to them about who, their identity, their aspirations. Their, it, it's, it's all about uh, a competition with the other. And it's very sad because it's a mile wide and it's a half an inch thick. And it, one little bump in the road and the wheels come off because they haven't really built any sense of character, integrity, and, and really identity. Yeah, it's all insecurity. I mean, sure. I'm not, again, I, I just see it now. And, you know, in COVID, you know, I, uh, I think I've, I've had the honor the past eight months to, you know, I launched a, uh, an emoji task force. Oh, yeah. And, let's let's uh, talk no. about your, uh, that's a good segue to uh, talk about the COVID 19 emergency task force, which has done incredible work. Yeah. So early on in March, you know, uh, obviously uh, because of my background, I saw where where everything was going and was getting the intel from government and you know the work my day job that I do for the Catholic Church. You know, I basically said to my boss, uh, I want to be able to help and I have a logistical background. And uh, there was a need and government, as you know, whatever again, whatever party lines you were was failing us on every. City, state, and federal, there was no PPE, there was no mask, there's no gloves, there's no sanitizer. Listen, I worked down at Ground Zero. 20 years ago, we learned we need masks, right? Christine Todd Winman, the D, you know, came and said, you know, the air is healthy. And, you know, 20 years later, you know, hundreds of people died from toxic, you know, fumes of uh, breathing what, uh, you know, they were breathing that day and for weeks after. It's the reason why I say that to you, there was no stockpiles of PPE. There was no mask and gloves and sanitizer. It was all logistics. So I formed the emergency task force, you know, through the Catholic Church. A lot of the people I hired were people I met down at Ground Zero. Wow. Uh, people were expert in logistics and getting things done. And we started out basically sorting and sourcing a lot of the PPE for the hospitals. And from the hospitals, uh, that spread out to a lot of the firehouses and, and, and the police stations. And then that's went out to the nursing homes. And, you know, obviously we held a lot of the churches and the synagogues and the Catholic schools and the Catholic churches. And then I started getting these calls, as you know, you saw them on the news of people that needed drastic PPE that had nothing. So, it's you, know, I, you know, through, you know, the company I formed years ago, uh, when I started working doing the government affairs of the Catholic church, I got a guy, I basically started reaching out to my guys and saying, listen, I have a unique network of people that I've known for years and I need help. And you know, one of the, one of the people that reached out uh, early on was uh, Adam Halpert, who's the, the CEO president of Disruptive Records through Sony and Alexandra Caymans, who, who works for, works for Adam. And they're like, you know, uh, we want to be able to help. And, you know, the chain smokers, uh, Alex and Drew, who are out in LA, 
they they've gone dark right now so you know which means they're on a new album so you go on their social media i saw that actually after you and i spoke yeah i think they they put a little thing saying to their followers and their fans you know basically gone fishing which yeah. I respect. That's totally focused, and they're not, they're not trying to. Uh... And they did that, so you know, since January. So pre-COVID, they went dark to focus on the new album. The reason why I say that to you, they have millions, eight million Instagram yeah. followers, eight million Facebook followers. Uh, one of the top, top, you know, DJ groups in the country, if not the world. Right? They have a weekly show at XS and Encore, and through my friends, you know, uh, through Adam and and Alexandra, they said, you know, Vin, they want to do it below the radar. And they want to donate masks, all right? So uh, I found the mask, you know, for them. And, you know, it was the guy, they wanted to do two locations, Vegas, because they have a weekly show at XS, Steve Wynn's Hotel in in New York, where, you know, uh, they they started their career and that they're from. So thankfully, through my logistical background, through Ross Aviation and Aircraft Services Group, I had a uh, private jet donated. We picked up the mask. I flew out to Vegas. Donated 10,000 masks at UMC Medical Center. I had the Metro uh, Dade Vegas Police Department meet us on the tarmac to rush us to uh, the hospital because I literally only had 43 minutes to be on the ground because the plane times out. Anybody's been flying or pilots now, after 10 hours of FAA, they can't fly. Yep. And the plane that was donated was going back to Teterboro location right outside of New York City because the person that actually owned the plane was leaving that night to go to another destination. So we had a tight, wow. tight window. <clears throat> Pilot, the Vegas PD, the University of Medical Center, uh, the signature flight support at the Vegas airport. They all worked coordinated. We got to the hospital, donated the 10,000 masks, got back on the plane, flew back to Teterboro. We thankfully made the 43 minutes. I think we had like five minutes to spare before the pilot took off. The next morning, I called Sandy Wild from Wild Cornell and we donated another 10,000 masks. Here's why I tell you that these two guys, Alex and Drew, the chain smokers, you know, donated 20,000 masks. By the way, in the peak, back in April, April like 6th or 7th, when, you know, 800, 900 people were dying in New York, Vegas was spiking. Yep. Did it, and they did it without any fanfare, without any press. Love it. Uh, the only people that communicated what they did was the hospitals. Um, because obviously they wanted to thank them. So listen, I used, I used my, I think my, my gift of people and logistics, put them together and we just, Amazing. We, yeah. we just got, we got things done and we got things done in a very effective way. I mean, that was one out of probably 50 stories. You know, we would supply PPE to hospitals that had nothing. We'd go in and back then they literally would have garbage bags on them. Right. And they would have one mask on eight hour shift and they're, I mean, to me, I say, you know, I was helping save lives, but I wasn't saving lives, right? It was the doctors, no. the nurses, you know, they're, they're, they're the true heroes of COVID. They're doing it right now, Anthony. I just got off the phone. I saw a good friend of mine, Dr. Massey, that runs an office in Brooklyn. This guy's there every day with his staff. People Amazing. are coming in. There's no, there's lines right now, if you can imagine. I don't know if in L.A., but New York, there's lines around the corner and all these stream releases uh, hospitals are getting stacked up again. And the, here you are, the first responders, the doctors, the nurses, uh, you know, the aides, they're going into battle right now. And all these people that are sick, I had a good friend of mine, uh, very prominent law enforcement person that I reached out to the other day and he was in the hospital, right? And 
you know, this disease, as you know, affects everybody. Absolutely. I think post COVID, you know, I've tell people now, like you have to live your life and you have to have a mental balance. Sure. Uh, you know, obviously they're shutting down New York. Now they're shutting down LA. Uh, this is going to happen. You know, obviously we're going into Thanksgiving. I've had a lot of people as of today said, Vin, I have to get rapid tested. You know, yeah. I'm, you know, going crazy to get them tested. Why? They want to see grandma. They want to see their exactly. mother. They want to see their father. You know, um, that's a very strenuous, very stressful, For sure. emotional time. We've never dealt with that. I mean, people, Thanksgiving, Christmas, it's already anxiety and depression. And uh, people are already Xanax and drug abuse, yeah. alcoholism. All those vices are, are scott, uh, catastrophic. Oh, yes, can I um, and I, I say to people, and I've lived it, I, I saw it myself uh, through my team and the people that we've dealt with uh, of taking care of each other and, and taking care of the The one thing I, I will say, Anthony, I've seen it very raw. Uh, you know, they, they say, you know, shit rises to the top, right? Yep. I've seen a lot of people and their true colors. One thing with COVID, oh, I know, but you know this, there's no black and white. Oh, no, no, no. Colorblind. Yeah. It's impervious to your religion, your background. Uh, it's a very big leveler. But it's very raw in people and how people reacted. Yeah, sure. Uh, and to me, just in my circle and even with, with my, my, my company, I got a guy and the work I do for the Catholic Church, my circle is much tighter right now. Bingo. The people that stepped up or had the integrity – yeah, just do that. Like this is this was very raw, right? In March, they didn't, we didn't know where this was going. Uh, I know the people that stepped up for me; they were risking their life. You know, I had pre-existing conditions, working down at Ground Zero. A lot of uh, my my brothers that did it themselves, and like then, you know, we're 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 in this together, and we're gonna do it. And and what I'm saying to you is, even people that stayed home, right? And God bless you. Like I I I, I made a decision to leave my house. My wife in the early on was very emotional. They didn't want me to leave. I'm you just know. freaking out. Freaking out. Like every other first responder, every other doctor, yeah, and nurse, sure. and firefighter, and police officer. Um, and and the reason why I say that to you is I, I really hope that just as a society, I think we've lost our way just to 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 love and be loved. And I and I, and I say that not in a, no, in you're, a romantic uh, uh, way. Just in like in a war, you know, everybody is dealing with their own shit, right? Everybody has anxiety. Everybody, be honest, everybody's fucked up, right? Everybody. Yep. And if you tell me one person that's not in COVID, I'm, I'm calling out bullshit because this. Yeah, yeah this for is, sure. But, but you know, if, to your point, Vinny, I think that when the feces hits the fan and you have a pandemic like this, all the superficial. Uh, garbage that the, the facade people are put that gets peeled away. You see yeah. the raw emotions, as you say. You see the core of a person, and I think that that can that should hopefully help people realize the common denominator. We human beings, the journey of life has commonalities, and regardless, um, let me say this, uh, Benny, because I know that I promise we would keep to a certain schedule, and I think that you've uh, opened and raised some incredibly interesting points. When you come home at night, and, and I hope it's the same with me, I mean, you're out there, you're helping, you, you're going beyond yourself, you're making the world a better place. You put your head on the pillow and you feel you're doing good. You feel good about yourself. I My heart goes out to this generation where they spend the day 
you know, tweeting, schmeeting. Uh, what have they done? You know, yeah. it, it can't. The only way to build self-esteem is to do esteemable acts. Yeah. One of, the, one, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show, besides being a friend and just all-around good guy, yeah. is because I think that this generation needs to go beyond self, to look yeah. at, at other people and forget, you know, what other people think of you is none of your business. Yeah. I have to... I mean, just on a personal note, and if anybody that's young and listening, I think one of the, the biggest things you could do for yourself is when you volunteer, and I think now it's, I, I, I see this in New York, I'm sure it's in LA, it's the have and the have nots, right? The haves, a lot of them that have money, have left the city, gone yep. to the Hamptons, God bless them, right? Um, I'm not faulting them, they've gone down to Miami, gone upstate, gone to Greenwich, I'm sure, same thing in LA, right? People... Yep that have a second means, but yep. the, the have-nots have nowhere to go, right? And the have-nots, a lot of these restaurant workers, I've seen it firsthand, a lot of these bus boys, a lot of these people that are working paycheck to paycheck, they lost their job, that there's no job, and now they're shutting down their jobs again. A lot of those people were not on the books, meaning for whatever reason, sometimes whatever you are in society, they weren't citizens or they're not getting a, an unemployment check or they didn't yep. get a payroll per check, protection not getting an sba loan yeah a lot of those people are on very hard times mm -hmm. i thought myself i mean during covid when it scaled down you know a lot of good friends through my god a guy network reached out to me and they said we want to help and uh, a very prominent friend of mine had a relationship within robin hood foundation that feeds the poor and the homeless and we started doing phone uh, uh food pantries throughout new york city Amazing. And I saw firsthand the same guys that were responding during an emergency, giving PPE, they were responding, uh, donating food. And we would go to food lines, at least in Brooklyn, right? In Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn or Jamaica and in Queens and in areas of Crown Heights and areas of uh, the Bronx and Harlem. And we would do, say, a food line for 500,000 people and we would run out of food. Wow. You know, so that's the have nots. Right. And I'm saying this very respectfully is a lot of those people that are down on their luck, that don't have the means, that don't have a paycheck. They just lost their job again. As you know, in L.A., like New York, all these restaurants, Most not everything shut down. So all those people that had a job, you know, they're they're hurting, you know, and, and my, my thing is to you just to make yourself feel better. I mean, go out and volunteer. I mean, you can volunteer in 20 different things you could do. Beautiful. And you'll have some self-gratification. At the very least, you, you'll feel good about yourself. The thing exactly. and I think a lot of our young – listen, I, I was the same way. You know, the, the grandiose look at me, the that of boys. I, listen, I've yeah. been there, done that, right? But, like – and I've I've seen that. That's a very selfish, shallow life. Like, yeah. if you're living your life and wondering how many likes or how many DM messages you're getting on Instagram or how many, how, how many people, like, love you, that's a self – centered very empty life and you know vince the truth of the matter is obviously you and i didn't know what we we're going to talk about before but i couldn't have scripted this better because i think that's the message uh as we come to the tail end of the uh pandemic um the the muscles that i think uh, people should be flexing and be looking at is to go beyond themselves to realize uh that we all <clears throat> you know we all connected in some way and as you well said if you're going to focus your life on yourself, you know, you'll go, you'll, you'll ascend up the ladder and realize you're going to be live a lonely life. And I think that, yeah. you know, the quality of, of knowing 
what that the things that really count in life and the things that uh, money cannot buy is the small things that we can do to help, you know, make the world a better place, help other people. And at the end, I think there's, firstly, it's very satisfying, but it's also, um, it's the one thing that we can do that animals, you know, other people can't do because there's, there, there's a God. I think there's, a, there's every single person who's made in the image of God and everyone deserves it. Respect. I, I say this and I hope, you know, anybody's listening out here, you know, it's sometimes the journey. It's not the, no, everybody, they want to get to the destination, right? Yeah, you get on a plane when I go to LA, like you can't yeah. wait to get to the destination, right? But nobody really looks at the journey that it takes to get to that destination. And along the way, like I'm, 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 I'm honored, right? Everybody that's been with me, uh, they've been with me for my entire journey, right? From when I had nothing to like where I am now and in, in, in my career. And obviously it's a feeder, meaning if I'm successful, they're successful because they're coming with me, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of people, as you know, when you live that type of life, like I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. My dad had it. Um, I have very good, solid friends, right? Yeah. Very good, yeah, solid right. friends that, you know, as you know, you count on your hand, how many people yep. you can call at 3 a.m. that they're going to answer the phone and they're going to be there for you, right? Yeah, 100%. Uh, and a lot of people, I always joke around, like the butt calls, they call, hey, Vinny, how you doing? But it's always the, or the end. Like they're always yeah. not calling to see how, how I'm doing, right? They're certainly not calling to see uh, if, uh, they want to get together or go out socially. Yep. It's that call that they always need something, right? And you, you'll, you'll filter those people out quickly. Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, I joke around. There's givers and takers. There's very, there's, there's a lot more takers in life than givers. And then when you see the givers and you see the people that are genuine, that just genuinely do something, that are not transactional, that are not looking yep. for something in return. Those are the people that you want to gravitate to, and those oh, are the people sure. that you want in your uh, inner circle. So, Benny, let me say this, because I want to be respectful of your time. Yeah. As we, I, I know you said a few times uh, during our discussion that you are, uh, you're not a therapist, but I think these are, there's some incredibly powerful, wise words for our listeners. Uh, the concept of it's not the days in our life, it's the life in our days. Yeah. It's about, uh, you know, living life um, for the journey, not for the, uh, the destination. And um, I think that hopefully some of the, the our listeners can yeah, peel away some of the uh, these ideas uh, and learn, I think, from a lot of the things that you've done in your life. I think the world is a better place that Vince Livian is in this world. I know that you and I are, are uh, going to have a, a long and hopefully successful, sincere relationship. Yep. Uh, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, and and we, will, uh, we will speak soon. And thank you for being on the Anthony Gordon Show. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Likewise, mate. Rock Hashem. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.